Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 80 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's mom. Today's guest, Nicole, was recommended to me by one of my previous guests and friend, Meredith, Tommy's mom. Meredith follows Nicole on Instagram, where she shares her story and a bit of her grief journey after losing her son, Levi. Nicole says that she certainly did not expect to turn to social media soon after the death of her three-year-old son, Levi, but she felt like she was almost forced to do so. The news media was quick to cover Levi's death, and the general public seemed quick to blame the family. Nicole went on social media to talk with her friends and family more directly and to set the record straight that drowning is the most common cause of death in the toddler age group and that these drownings can happen within seconds. Now, two and a half years later, Nicole continues to work on advocacy for drowning awareness, but she has also found such comfort from her Instagram account. People reach out to Nicole after they have lost their own children or reach out to Nicole in order to offer comfort to Nicole and her own family. Again, if you're active on Instagram and would like to follow her, the account is at Nicole Hughes 8. Also, as a reminder, you can follow me on Instagram as well, although I am probably not as interesting as Nicole, but my account is at Always Annie's Mom. Also, if you'd like to find out even a little bit more about me, I just recently did an interview on a new podcast for grieving parents. This one was started by grieving dad, Jerry, and it is called The Nameless Minority. So wherever you download the Always Andy's Mom podcast, you can download The Nameless Minority as well. Thank you so much, Nicole, for agreeing to join me on the podcast today. I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, thank you for, um, I, I really love this idea of, of a podcast and think it would have, especially, I mean, even now, I mean, the grief journey doesn't end, right? But especially in the beginning, mm-hmm. it really would have been something really, really helpful, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I do have a lot of people reach out right away in those first months and they think they find it helpful as well. So anyway, why don't you start out by just telling us a little bit about yourself and all about your son, Levi? Oh, okay. Well, um, my name is Nicole, and I uh, am a teacher. I teach, um, I've taught different things, mostly middle school language arts. And right now I'm a, a writing teacher, which is which is really uh, a great job. My husband and I met in college. We went to the University of Tennessee mm-hmm. in Knoxville, and I was 22 when we got married, which is so crazy yeah. to think. But, uh, of course, it's obviously worked. Yep. 
but a baby. Yeah. We, we, I was so young. I know it seems that we, you know, we thought we were so ready, but we have, we have five children now. We had a daughter first mm-hmm. and then we had another girl. And, uh, and then our third child was, was Levi. Mm-hmm. And we always said we just wanted three kids. It was sort of our plan to just have three. And when Levi, we weren't like trying for a boy, mm-hmm. but when we found out he was a boy in that, in the 20 week ultrasound, it, it just really felt so fitting. And we really were like, well, this is it. Here he is. Here's our little, our little caboose, two girls, a boy. And the, the ultrasound visit is like just today. I'll never forget. We, I was 20 weeks when we found out. And like I said, we really weren't trying for a boy. I mean, how do you even do that anyway? Yeah, you don't. You know, but, we yeah. just, but my, I mean, right. Like that's the dumbest thing to even ask about it. My husband wanted a boy. I mean, he just did. There was no way around it. We were hoping for a boy. Yes. And when they saw the penis, <laughs> my, I have never seen my husband so proud. <laughs> I mean, he was so excited. And we, uh, yeah, he's a physician actually. And he went back, he was able to get off work for like an hour and he went back and he just took the, my friends who work with him told me he took the the picture, the ultrasound picture of uh, the penis mm-hmm. and slapped it on the wall of the OR and said, that's how I do it. <laughs> and uh, he, I know he was so proud of this little boy. That's so funny. Is he an anesthesiologist? Did I read that somewhere? Yes, he is. Yes. Because my husband is too. Oh my God. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Briefly. Uh-huh. That's right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anesthesia. Yes. And uh, that is, yeah, that's what a, what a great connection. I know. One of this boys, so we have this boy, he is just all boy. Like, I mean, comes out, I always kind of joke, like came out naked and screaming. And then that was just how he always wanted to be. Yeah. Forever. Just naked, yelling, jumping down. And, you know, I hate to stereotype, but we have, and it, sometimes the stereotypes are real. It's just the truth. Well, kind of that's why they're stereotypes sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. It's just, yeah. It's, so we had these girls that were, you know, pink and princesses and all this. And then we had this boy that even though he's surrounded, tiaras and glitter and tutu dresses like he would take the fairy wand and turn it into a sword yeah he would i mean we didn't even about by the third kid i was like i'm sorry i don't want any more toys in my house you're gonna have to deal with what we got yeah right. and you know but somehow he would turn these girl things into very boy uh you know items it's just always like somehow in his underwear i don't understand i'm like <laughs> i know you have clothes like what is happening um he always wanted to be outside he again you know we had these two girls and, you know, I'm a teacher. My husband's a physician. You know, I mean, we let our kids have fun, obviously, you know, but we also have rules and boundaries. And But somehow he just could not resist peeing outside. And I don't know if this is just like a boy thing, mm-hmm. but he just everywhere we went, he just always wanted to pee outside. And we really, and say the word penis. It was like, he was only three. Oh. I mean, and the, these were just battles that we quickly realized we were not going to win. Yeah. So I had to, it was so new to me, you know, I mean, like, don't get me wrong because girls bring their own parenting challenges. That is a real thing. Mm-hmm. But this was a new territory for us, right? We, I finally had to reach like compromises with him. He was only three, but I had to reach these compromises where he could say penis as much as he wanted at home, yep. but he had to ask me before he could say it in public. Okay. And so sometimes I would let him just because sometimes I had to say yes, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and but, but and if I said no, then he knew, okay, this is real. We can't, we can't say it. But he just was so silly. Like, it just, he just was a silly, silly, silly boy who found, you know, wanted to jump around, wanted to everything to be a sword. But he also could be so 
loving. I mean, he would snuggle with me at night. He always wanted, you know, just one more kiss, one more hug, mom, all the kisses, all the hugs. Mm -hmm. He was a mama's boy. I mean, he just really was. And, um, you know, we had these older girls. They were nine and eight when he was three. And I'm sorry, nine and five when he was three. Okay. They just loved him and doted on him and adored him. And, you know, we used to joke all the time that he was going to make, I would say like, oh my gosh, he's going to be such a good husband because he's going to know like girl hair products and girl drama, you know, all of this. But then I was quickly like, he's actually going to be a terrible husband because he thinks he is a king. <laughs> like he is so used to being, you know, so adored and doted on that I can't even imagine the poor, you know, woman he married. Mm-hmm. He really, he was just so, so special. I see that so much when I see third ones like that especially when the others are a little bit older and yes yeah I've had to say to parents like you need to get those older ones to not do whatever the youngest one wants because you are really getting him to feel spoiled treating him like a prince I know (laughs) yes I know I know you don't like (laughs) it when he cries but you can't just give him whatever he wants (laughs) I always try to put him in time out and and I mean, before I, which was rare. I mean, we, we have a very flexible discipline, at, like mm-hmm. communicating, like how we parent and like a relation, you know, but I mean, there were some boundaries, you know, when he had to have boundaries. Oh, sure. Um, and before I knew it, Lily's, my older daughter was in the, behind the couch, you know, like making him chocolate, dropping it to his time out spot. I was like, what is happening? Stop. <laughs> you know, this is you be like, he's crying. I know. Like, yes. He, he, anyway, just. Um, but he was he was so special, really, to all of us. Mm. Well, why don't you now talk about what happened with Levi? Um, you know, and I really appreciate I like the idea of, of sort of how you structure this. Like, let's talk about him as a person. And mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, there is so much more to the story. But yeah, I think, uh, you know, and, and the way he died, it was so sudden and yeah. there was no warning and it was quick and. And honestly, you know, we are two and a half years in, I guess, and it, I still do feel like so much of him is still shaped by his death. It's just a fact. I mean, Mm -hmm. it just, it was so Mm -hmm. sudden. When did he die? He died almost the same time as my son, I think. Yeah. It was June 10th, 2018. Yeah. And mine was August 15th, 2018. So just two months later. So So we're kind of on the same. And mine was sudden too, because it was a car accident. So. Yes. You told me. I know. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry too. It's just, but it's the way it is, I right? It, it's the reality. It's, I'm spoken to with us too, right? Mm-hmm. I don't even have to really tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I how what my heart goes out to. You, I know my heart breaks with yours for sure. Mm-hmm. My husband and I always took. We were very careful with with our kids. Obviously, the position. I'm a teacher. He was our third child. You know, we I didn't I kept them rear facing until you know they were three. Mm-hmm. Um, we bought the most expensive, best car seat. You know, I cut their grades. We were worried about screen time. You know, all of these things that we really thought we were doing to keep our children safe. Mm-hmm. Never would we have imagined, if you had given me a million reasons why one of my kids would die, what I have thought drowning. Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, every time I tell it, I always think maybe it'll end differently this time. You know, it just never does. But so I would like to preface with, we didn't know this at the time, but drowning is actually the number one cause of death for children one to four. Mm -hmm. And the vast majority of the time it happens when they're not swimming um, and they somehow reach water uh, alone. 
and a toddler can drown in 30 seconds. It's very important for me to lead with all of this information that we did not know. You know, so I was so worried about screen time and organic food and, you know, all of these things. And I had no idea how often toddlers drown when they aren't swimming, especially. Mm-hmm. And so we were at the beach. Uh, we go to this on this trip with um, my husband's a physician, as he said, and you probably understand you're probably the same way. We go to this beach trip with our friends from residency. Mm-hmm. There's six families. And we go, we've gone every year since before any of us even had a kid. And we've since added 17 kids <laughs> to this trip, Wow! But uh, which has been a really fun like journey together, right? And we were on this beach trip in Alabama. It was the first full day, Sunday, June 10th. And we spent the entire day at the beach and the pool. And there were five, five anesthesiologists, actually, and one ophthalmologist. Mm-hmm. And we used to joke that the ophthalmologist was the only one we needed because the kids got seen in their eyes. Yeah. We never knew. We had no idea that, you know, we thought we thought we were like extra safe, to be honest. We had all these physicians there. And Levi had 16 pictures of his final day, what would be his final day. And in 14 of them, he is wearing a life jacket or a pedal jumper. Yeah. I mean, we took water safety seriously. Mm-hmm. We were that night, we were cleaning up from dinner. We were in the room. The dad's always took the kids crab hunting that the first full night. Mm-hmm. And it was Levi's first year to get to go. He's so excited, like to really know what was happening. He's three, couldn't like to go with the big kids. And yeah. they all had these matching shirts on. They were bright yellow, crab hunting crew. And he was on the balcony with my husband watching. I was trying to keep him awake, right? Because we were parenting. He was three. He had to get a nap. I needed him to stay awake. So he could grab money. So I was like, ah, oh, keep him awake while I clean up. So they were watching something on his phone. And um, I said, hey, bring him inside. He, I was worried about screen time. <laughs> I said, bring him inside. You know, he needs to play with these kids. Come inside. You know, we're about to go. We're almost done cleaning up. And then he brought him inside. My husband flipped him upside down. He said, we're going to catch any crabs tonight. Mm-hmm. And Levi laughed. And, you know, he couldn't wait. I mean, since we kind of sat on the couch with everybody and I brought him a brownie, small bite of a brownie. It was like these small brownies and a bowl of Cheetos over to him and kissed him on the head, ruffled his head. And he was so excited about this brownie. Mm-hmm. And um, those were our last interactions with him. And, you know, and of course, you know, the the small, there are always these small mercies kind of mixed into the grief and that we had these beautiful sort of interactions with him really is something that, that I think one day I'll appreciate more than I do right now when the sadness has kind of faded a little more bit. Yeah. And then I walked away. I mean, we were in the same room. He was 10 feet from me sitting on the couch. There were five adults in the room. No, I'm sorry. There were five physicians in the room. Mm-hmm. One was downstairs. So five physicians, five moms, tons of kids, you know, 15 kids. It's a room full of people. Um, and I walked, I threw something in the garbage. I have relived my set last steps a million times. I'm sure you have. On repeat, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and threw something away, walked outside. On, didn't even know who's missing. This is how fast it was. Um, walked outside on the balcony to check on the, we were waiting for like the sun to set, like at the exact moment so we could go, you know, mm-hmm. and just happened to glance over the balcony and the floor below us was where the pool was. And I just kind of glanced in and saw his yellow crab in his shirt and in the bottom of the pool. And it was, I was, I, the sh- I was a complete shock. I mean, I just kept thinking like, hey, but he's on the couch. Yeah, right. We're in khaki shorts. Like, we're not even swimming. Yeah, you... How, what? Yeah. How did he get Like, I here? just left him. And then a, I just left him on the couch with a brownie. Like, genuinely, mm-hmm. he is on the couch with a room full of people. Like, how did he even open the door? And uh, he's wearing khaki shorts. He's wearing khaki shorts. I mean, I just kept thinking this over and over. And, 
of course, it was probably half of a second. And I know I reacted immediately, even though it felt like an eternity. And I ran, started screaming. I banged on the glass window, glass doors behind me, started screaming and ran down the stairs, jumped in, pulled him out. And, you know, it, it was so someone else was in the water with me and grabbed him and we pulled him out together. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know who it was at the time. I just knew what somebody else was there. Somebody else helped me lift him up. And by the time I got out of the pool, I didn't, and then it was chaos and they were all there immediately. I mean, he had immediate five anesthesiologists by his side Mm -hmm. in a second because I had banged on the glass and they had run out and run down the stairs. And by the time we got him out, they were there and, Later, I just kept saying, who was in the water with me? Somebody was in the water with me. And um, it was one of our friends. The first one out had glanced over the balcony, seen Levi. And while I was running down the stairs, he jumped off the balcony and into the water. Wow. So we reached him at the same time. I know. It's so powerful. But um, so we, you know, pulled him out. My husband... I mean, they began CPR on him, fully intubated him, had an airway kit, everything. Wow. Um, called the ambulance. Yeah. I know. He had the best possible. Yeah. I mean, especially for a drowning, you can't get any better than having five mm-hmm. anesthesiologists. I mean, even when the ambulance arrived, they were like, we're just going to stand over here. Yeah. I mean, that's – my husband worked on my son, too. But he, he did not have an airway kit with him. And he he just – he kept saying anytime anyone came, like the, when the firemen came, he's like – he, he just wanted to put in an IV, honestly. He just wanted to put in an IV. He just wanted to give him volume because he was bleeding quite a bit. And Oh, God. And it was the same type of thing. He was like, you know, he's he's positive pressure ventilating. He's doing all of this. And he said in no way did he ever thought he could die. He just thought, I will get There's him back. No this is like, what I, I do. I can fix this. I can, this is what I do. Yes. This is what I do. And I'm sure all of those people there were like, this is what we yes. do. Yes. We will get him this back. This is what we do. Yes. Yes. Even when my friend was on the 911 call and she was telling him like what was happening, the operator, they kept saying, oh my God, you have what? Wait, they're doing what? Yeah. This is really good. Yeah. You know, like, and thank God I didn't know all that was happening. And I mean, I, honestly, I do think they reached a point pretty quickly though, where they realized like, this is bad. Yeah. Right. And they had people at ours too coming up and then... Finally, someone said, I think you should go be with, with your wife. We will take over. But honestly, yes. I think they knew oh. it was hopeless at that point, you know, and then he oh came to me and said, and I said, "Is you know, and then I started to become aware. And then I said, is he going to be OK? And he said, yes. Oh and then God. he stopped. And then he said, they're doing the best they can. And then I knew that meant no. Oh you know what I mean? You know, that means no then. I know exactly what you mean. Right. I was staring at my husband. I was just watching him as he worked on Levi. And I like, you know, they never lose their cool, right? I mean, especially no. anesthesiologists. No. This is literally what they do all day long is right. life and death, right? All day. Yeah. And I was staring at him, watching him. And when he stood up and threw his hat into the air and he screamed, somebody call 911. Yeah. That was it. I mean, it could have just stopped right then. Like I knew. Then you know. There was no way he would have that he would have, and it's over. And that's why I knew, I knew too, you know, and I think he knew, when the paramedics tell the anesthesiologist that they're going to take over, that means it's done. Oh, God. Right? That it's means done. it's done. Oh, my God. And it wasn't very long before the paramedics were up to us saying, you know, 
despite our best efforts, we were unable to save your oh son. And that's, and I'll never forget those words either because, oh my God. you know, they so, do the best they can, but they do the best they can. Yeah, I mean, and for the these people can. who, you know, it, I've had people reach out to me who actually the nurse that was in Levi's hospital room has met and um, found me on Instagram and messaged me. And it's hard for me to even like reply back to her, honestly, yeah. but like, it's so, it was so kind. It was just so kind of her to reach out to me, but, um, uh, but in people who were staying in houses next to ours mm-hmm. um, have messaged me and said, you know, we, we remember that night. We remember the ambulance. We remember the helicopter. Yeah. He was airlifted. Um, we remember, you know, all of this and, and, um, you know, and I think what has been so interesting for me to like kind of just jump around, I guess, a little bit, like as far as like a grief journey mm-hmm. has been because I have been, I start immediately, which is very transparent on social media about kind of what happened. There were some reasons I kind of had to. And anyway, and I've shared a lot about my grief journey, like just the real, all of it. And I think, you know, for like our friends who were there, for people who, who were connected to this somehow, I think it's been really healing for like a lot of people to kind of mm-hmm. see this is possible, you know, to survive this. So we leave, I was airlifted and, and we lost them just like just hours later. And, uh, you know, and yeah. immediately the, the shitty thing for us, sorry to discuss here, but is they had to come. I mean, it was a drowning. Yeah. Um, it's all shitty. There is no, there is no hierarchy in whose child loss matters. More. That's no. not what I'm no. so like no. just a, a different layer of ours was the drowning. We had to be investigated. Sure. Like, I, and we did with a car so accident awful. too. You know, you you are interviewed by uh, the sheriff's department and all that. I mean, and there's court stuff. It that's icky. That's just icky. To have to tell yeah. people he drowned, it's still hard to say. Like, it's such a immediate. I know, I know, because I know what I would have thought before if somebody told me they're getting yeah. drowned. I'm like, well, why weren't you watching? I mean, this is just a fact of it. The, when the sheriff came to ask us, and then it was on the news in in Alabama, and then I guess the way the, the news stations are all like sister stations or whatever, the article got shared by our local, and we live in like a, not like a huge place, like it's a pretty small city. So people were seeing, so this got mm-hmm. shared all over Facebook by like 7 a.m. the next day. We hadn't told anybody, like, of course our family knew, of course the people knew, whatever. And of course, all they put is, three-year-old, you know, Levi's family was oh. all eating dinner when three-year-old Levi Hughes yeah. slipped away. I know it's awful and drowned. I mean, so you can imagine, you can imagine yes. the comments about this, right? And so immediately, so then people we knew were finding out this way and it was so sad. I didn't care what anybody thought about me as a parent, but I was sad for my friends who loved Levi and yeah. who this is how they were finding out. Like it was awful. So I, we immediately, I immediately had to go to social media and like, kind of post something um, like we've lost Levi, you know, we'll share more later, whatever. And then actually the second thing I did was immediately email the news station and say, yeah. get your facts right. This is not what happened. How dare you share this, you know, so soon after losing him. And even then I realized there's a lot more drowning than I think it is because I would have read that article and been so desperate for this not to be my story that I would have been like, oh, good. My kid's not going to drown because I've never just been eating dinner yeah. and not noticed he slipped away. But that's not even what happened. You know, but like I said, it, it, so even then I was so acutely aware of like, there's a whole lot more drowning than people say there is. Yeah. And that is hard. I know that very night we're in the hospital 
you know, because my other son had a concussion and we all were taken to the hospital because obviously you all have to be evaluated (sighs) when it's a bad enough accident when someone's killed. Oh, my God. But our pastor was there and said, this is going to be all over the news. It will be all over social media. You need to call your family. And it was so hard because they're like, Ugh. you know, it was the hardest things to do. You're like, but, oh right, my God, but give it's me like, a second. We're not there very long. I've just told my other son, even though he watched all the CPR, he watched everything. He knew Andy was gone, but I had no. to be the one to say, Andy's dead. You know, Andy never got to the hospital. Ugh. And so it's so hard. Oh but yet God. then you have to do this because... I know that's what's going to happen. I remember thinking, right, my so my my son's band director is what is some is sort of related to us. He's the brother of my brother-in-law, so my husband's sister's husband's brother. So, I mean, it's kind of you're following me. Okay. Got it. So I'm anyway, cuz all of a sudden it was like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's it you're right. Like the teachers at the school are all going to know in minutes, right? This is going yes. to be on the 10 o'clock news tonight. It happened at 7 p.m. This will be on tonight's news. And it's getting close to the time that it's going to be on the news. And I think he's going to know. And then he's going to call his brother and sister-in-law and his aunt and uncle. And I haven't no. told him yet. You know, I mean, I just and my family's out in Iowa. So I felt like I have a little bit more time there. But our Michigan family needed to know right away because and it was everywhere it was everywhere on the news and I feel blessed because one of our friends at church was actually worked at the news station and I guess the story came and she looked at it and I guess she like I mean she immediately started crying and couldn't even stand up and people are like why and he goes you know this is this is the Larsons. This is Andy. I we had dinner together two nights ago. You know what I mean. And so she was a blessing because she reached out to our pastor immediately and said, "You need to get someone to be to talk to the media. You need to, you know." She like helped us with that side because it was so messy there. The me- media is messy, and if you can have a spokesperson and you can do some of this right away. Because, you know, they just pull stuff from the, you know, from my office website. There's my picture all over the news. Pediatrician, you know, having her son die in a car accident on our way to a baseball game. I mean, it's, it's, it was good news. You Uh, know, it was compelling news. And that's what yours was too, right? It's a compelling news story that everybody wants to cover, but it's well mine was one well they my I had friends even ask like yeah will you please turn off the comments at least because there is yeah <laughs> drowning <laughs> why the fuck weren't you and I had somebody too say to me about um like it was in the they were in the exit lane and, and she was like it was a comment it was a negative comment to me because well that exit Lane is terrible. And I rear-ended somebody last week and it's just awful what the way it's set up. Like you like, okay, please you're not even feeling sorry for me at all. You're just on the side of it's not that woman's fault that she wasn't paying attention that hit you. Like, you know what I mean? It's it was it's hard. It's hard. And you do have to. I mean, there were comments that I turned off because people reached me in a bad way and and that's not even They said they couldn't turn the yeah. comments off because 
um, it was good oh, for their writing. Gosh. So that's just horrible. It's just horrible. Uh-huh. You know, though, so it, but then like to transition a little bit, I guess, yeah. into like the grief journey in a way. And let me, let me say too, I have had such a positive experience with people. I mean, like it has been uh, honestly overwhelmingly so like beautiful. Like, but, but for me, it, that having reading that, realizing like this is not mm-hmm. what you're running it. It's like, what is happening? the comments and and honestly being not not worrying my thought about me like it made me it did break my heart to think that somebody thought levi was so unloved that we just weren't watching him like that bothered me but i didn't give a crap with some stranger thought about me that didn't bother me at all sorry for just all the customers but it but it really immediately fueled my anger at just all of it i was especially angry once we found the statistics on drowning I mean, it, it is, did you know that? The number one above everything, above everything combined, even. Number one cause of death for one to four-year-olds. And nobody talks about it. Like, it's mind-blowing. The number one, like, yeah. by a, a lot. And nobody talks about it. And it happens when they're not swimming. And so once we found that out, we were like, and, and it's 80% are boys. It, it's so many factors. He fell into every single factor, actually, for it. For, and so it's like, of course he drowned. Oh my God. Like, I mean, not of course he did, but you know, it was so into the anger I felt at not knowing those statistics and it, the fact that clearly nobody knew those statistics because they're all commenting, you know, stupid things like, well, drowning, you know, why was he, whatever really fueled my advocacy where I started to, where I was like, mm-hmm. I have to reach parents. How did I not know this? And so really fueling that anger. And honestly, I think why they do that is because you don't want to think that it could possibly happen to you. So I think what they're doing in that is they're saying, well, Well, I would never put my child in a risky situation like that. A hundred percent. You're finding the loophole and you, so you can check it off. Yes. That is the loophole. Right. That is what they're trying to do because they, the whole idea of your child dying before you is horrific. And you want to think to yourself, this really can't happen to me. So if you can make excuses as to why this could happen to somebody else, but couldn't happen to me, then it makes that person feel better. So I think it's a lot of that, of just self-preservation, you know? Well, yeah, I know it's exactly it. And with, you know, with drowning, it's so like there are no other factors. Like mm-hmm. it's like the mom should have been watching. Like, so it's yeah. super easy to find that loophole because it's like, well, there are literally no other factors. I always watch my kids and we swim. Good. Right. Check. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. No one else even has to be involved in this. And because of the stigma around drowning, it's just a real thing that it only happens to neglectful parents who don't watch their kids and swimming. You know, it's even easier to like just really check that off your yeah. mental worry list, right? As a mom. But I don't know if that's, you know, like, the grief journey, you know, and it's so different for everybody. And of course, never in a million years did I imagine, obviously, you are right the same, that I would lose a child. But I do think that, you know, looking back, there are some things that sort of happened that um, I don't want to say like helped set me up for how I would handle it, but I guess it is it. Like one of my, you know, college, one of my friends in college, her husband was diagnosed with cancer when she was 37 weeks pregnant with twins and had a one-year-old and a two-year-old. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was bad. 
And I mean, it was bad. It was terminal. It was not good. And, but I watched her. He actually passed away in April of 2018. So his journey was kind of like right before losing Levi. And like, I watched her, like, I remember she would post things like eating chips and guacamole with her kids. And I was like, but your husband's dying. How are you doing that? Like, how are you doing that? But it was so interesting to watch her live a purposeful life, even in the midst of tragedy. And it really, I remember like thinking about her, like kind of right at the beginning, you know, and, and like figuring out like, okay, like my son is dead, but we still have to, like my, our other kids deserve a childhood, you know, and they deserve parents who, who don't say, you know, Levi was more important than you. My husband has been, someone told him early on who had lost a sister when she was younger. She said, one piece of advice I have to you is make sure your other kids always know that they're enough. Oh and my gosh. Yes. Mm-hmm. I will say at the beginning, not knowing what to do, but just knowing that where I didn't want to be in 10 years sort of fueled me a lot. You know, like, I don't know how to get there, but I know that I want to be not, not yeah. on drugs, laying in the bed, yeah. not living a life. I don't know how to get there, but I know today, here's what I'm going to do to right. hopefully not let that yeah. happen. I know. I remember right? having a conversation with my husband being like, this cannot destroy us. You know, we were right away like this cannot destroy uh, our marriage. It it can't it can't destroy yeah, this family. Right. As much as we're a broken family now, we're not destroyed. As much as it would be so easy, yes, it would be so easy to just do that. I mean, you know, and at first I think like we made the decision like this is we're going to live or we're going to figure this out. And at first I thought well like it was just going to be like this one decision we made or whatever. But I have since figured out. It's really like yeah. a bunch of little decisions. Like almost every day. Yeah. Over, over and over. over. You know, it's like a million little decisions to make every day that I'm going to mm-hmm. live. I'm going to live. I'm going to live. Mm-hmm. It is so different for everybody, you know, and I remember searching like Googling mm-hmm. my son died, my son died, my son died. How do I survive? How do I survive? And, and, and it, there is just no good answer, but I'm sure you will say the same thing. Like it is yeah. possible. Yeah. Even though it seems impossible. It does seem completely impossible at the beginning. And it's not. You don't even know how you can go hours, let alone days, let alone weeks. And now I'm at two and a half oh years. Oh, my God. And every years. Oh, my God. I remember thinking. He's, but I still was oh thinking just today. We had somebody recently that died, a neighbor who is 90 years old. And I actually thought in my head still today, oh, God, please don't let me live till I'm 90. Because I can't handle the idea of going that long without Andy. I mean, I've already gone two and a half years. If I got to go another 45, I'm, <laughs> I can't even envision that. So it's, it's, I know it's a silly thing, and I probably won't always feel that way. But right yeah. now, I'm still feeling like I don't want to go decades here. Oh, my God. It's so true. I can't even. See, when I find myself panicking, I can't. Then I have to just right. not think about that. Right. I have to think about today. So I can't get about the yeah, future is a it's real just thing. too hard it's too hard to think that far ahead mm-hmm. yeah so what are some things that people did right away to help you because I feel like people I don't know we just got such compassion from other people that was really amazing oh I just feel like yes well the first thing we did was get a dog in a camper okay <laughs> we were just desperate for trying to figure out what our next step you know and those have both really been very very very, very good decisions for us. It gave us a distraction. It gave us a, a distraction of something to do with our girls. 
the dog, our dog has been so <laughs> special, you know, and I think it, we brought her everywhere that first summer because it gave us, mm-hmm. we gave everybody something to look at, you know, because people are so don't know what to say to you and it's so awkward. And so then everybody <laughs> could be like, oh, let's look at the dog. Look how cute the dog is, you know. Oh, it was just so immediate. I mean, for us, again, because there was so much yes, the stigma around drowning uh, and so people coming so much to our defense, just, it was, you know, it was just really, really powerful. Taking our older girls, <laughs> they were five and nine, yeah. you know, I mean, they still were little and they still like needed me to like do everything for them, you know, and I just had no energy. So like if somebody could just, all I really wanted was like, please take them somewhere for a minute so I can have a second. You know, I wasn't prepared yeah. for like the mental exhaustion of grief, right? Where I just needed time to process it over and over and over. And I did not have very much alone time. Mm-hmm. That's just, honestly, I think the biggest thing too is like, for, if you yes. don't know what to say, just don't even say anything. Just <laughs> say, I'm sorry and leave it at that. You know, I feel like I can come up with a list of 25 things to not say, but only really one like guaranteed universal that all grieving parents can appreciate. And that is just, you know, I love you or, or silence or I'm sorry or whatever, but don't all those stupid, you know, everything happens for a reason. Like don't say any of that stuff and then go home to your intact. That is so horrible. You just can't. I hate that. Just don't say I hate it. Cause it's just like, I, right now I don't care, you know? And, and even when people would say, this is all part of God's plan. I, I actually would say back, well, then God's plan sucks because that's how I feel right now. And I and and that may very well well be well and good, but right now I don't like it, and I'm I'm never going to like it. Right. So so to tell me that it's God's plan is only going to make me angry with God. So please just shut up, you know. Oh my gosh. Well, no, I think that was helpful. People just you know just checking in and texting, but not expecting a reply. Like, do not reply back to me. Just texting you to tell you I'm thinking. Yeah. Like that was really meaningful for me. Giving that space, figuring out how I'm grieving and allowing me to grieve in that way. Because I can believe I've birthday tomorrow. I, we aren't going to do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't like doing it. It doesn't work for me. I don't want to do that. And, you know, so much with my grief journey, I just haven't worried about what I think I'm supposed to be doing or what other people think I'm supposed to be doing. Or I just follow my heart for that moment. Right. And that's what I do. Yeah. And you, know? you can just, tomorrow, if there's something special you end up wanting to do in at the spur of the moment, okay. And if there's not, okay. But I think to just give yourself permission to do whatever is really huge. Just like when you're invited to do things and go places after that, you always have to give yourself an out. Like, I I will try, but if I don't, yes. please don't be mad if I just can't show up, if if I wake up and it just ends up being too hard that day, you know? And I felt like people were really good understanding that. Just yes. pushing me sometimes when I needed it. Yes. But... I mean, I did have a friend of know. mine. I was so down for a while just so down and I had a friend show up at the door to go on a walk and she knocked on the door and I thought about not answering the door honestly I saw her there and I thought about not answering and then I went and she said we're going on a walk because she knew I really needed to get out of the house and she just pushed me and I said you know I thought okay I thought about not answering the door and she looked at me and she said I wasn't going to go away. I was going to keep ringing the doorbell until you answered the door because I knew you were in there. And I <laughs> thought, that's good. That I really did need that at that point. And I didn't really feel like I wanted it, but I actually did feel better after that walk. So yeah, being a little bit pushy and not pushy to the point where 
I'm going to sit with you in your sadness and be okay with sitting with you in your sadness is big. Yeah, sit with the silence. It's sit in the sadness. And I think, you know, grief is so different for everybody. So I do think there's a level also, you know, truly of figuring out what mm-hmm. this person does and needs and responding to the way they, because some people like haven't done that. Like there have been some people who I feel like don't understand. I'm not grieving, like especially my family or something like grieving the way they want to grieve or they want me to it's, grieve. It's you unique know? and different for everyone, for sure. Mm-hmm. So what has social media done for you? Because I know, so the reason I, I, just to tell the audience, the reason I even found you, Nicole, is because one of my friends and listeners has found you on social media and had followed you on Instagram and said, you need to interview this woman. She would be really great for your show. For your show. Oh. You know, up here in Michigan, she's following you and following your story. I told you, I'm very bad at Instagram. I try a little bit, but I'm not, not good at it to know. But, but, you know, you have been inspiring to her to the point where she said, you need to have this woman on your show because I think she'll be very inspiring to other people. So tell us what that has been able to do for you. Um, well, like I said, honestly, honestly, so much of it started with that sort of initial news story and me like realizing I needed to share on social media, like this is not what drowning is. Mm-hmm. It is so different than what you think it is. So I just started sharing a little bit like that. And I would get you know messages from people who are like, I had no idea, you know, that Johnny was the number one or that it could happen when you weren't swimming or how fast it happens or whatever. And so it really started kind of from that standpoint, but also from a standpoint of like, like I said, you know, people would see us out and like, it was almost selfishly a way for me to let people around us know, here's how I'm doing today. So then I didn't feel like I had to answer 500 texts every day, which was so sweet. I was so grateful for the text. I'm not... But it's exhausting, you know, and I, this is a way for me to kind of put out like a banner, like, here's what's going on. Here's how yeah. I'm doing today. Not well, <laughs> you know. And it just gradually sort of grew. I've been so, oh my gosh, like, talk about seeing the best of humanity. It has been such a beautiful experience. Yeah. I never would have thought I'd lost a child, definitely not to drowning. And definitely not ever thought I would be so sort of like transparent about it in this way. But um, I have shared so much and we've actually gone on to have two other babies that weren't mm-hmm. in our plans after losing Levi. And I've shared a lot about that and, and just the connection with humanity and the kindness has been, has just been really, really, really meaningful. And for this friend of, to reach out, you know, to follow me and to, to say that I would be inspirational. It just, that, that it's very meaningful to me. And I didn't set out to like be inspirational. I'm not really, I'm not really sure if I'm really necessarily inspirational, but I do think that there is so much, we are here for such a short time, you know, and if there's a way to help make a connection with humanity mm-hmm. and just bring maybe some light into the world that wasn't yeah. there, that is sort of indirectly because of Levi dying, maybe, I guess, you know, it, um, it's been a really important part of my healing, honestly. I know I feel that way with the podcast, for sure. I feel like it's something that I can do sort of with Andy, like the two of us can do it together. And to be able to know that I can offer a bit of hope for the future and healing for people all over the world. It's unbelievable. Right. I was emailing a guy from Australia yesterday who wrote the most beautiful poem. I 
have ever read about being a dad. And I mean, it just was like, I just had this really amazing moment with a dad on the other side of the world because we are going through this mutually shared experience of child loss. I mean, that's amazing. It's amazing. Oh my right? gosh. It's amazing. It's amazing to know yeah. you were touching people from all over. Do, do people write to you individually? Like message you? Yes. I do get very beautiful, genuine. Yes. <laughs> it makes me cry to think about it. Yes. People have been so, so kind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I've had people message me who have lost a child, unfortunately, since they've started following me. Like, you know, and they say, like, I never thought... You know, and, and they'll say, um, you know, within immediately sort of, you know, you were my first thought. And I thought, I've watched yeah. Nicole do this. Here are the steps I take, you know, to do this. And it which sucks. Obviously, I hate it for those families. I hate it for us. But what a way to kind of create meaning out of mm-hmm. something we can't change, yeah, you know. 100%. So what do you say to some of those families? Do you respond back and talk with them? Oh, yeah. Yes. So grateful you know, it, sometimes it's so interesting though, because I still am like, I still don't know exactly what to say to, you know, you think by now I would know what to say to somebody who lost a child. Right. But it isn't always that simple. Like it doesn't always just, even I don't always know what to say. Um, no, I have, I feel like I have made some really genuine, beautiful connections with, with other parents. And, you know, there's that quote about, I love when people that have been through hell walk out of the flames carrying buckets of water for those still consumed by the fire. That is beautiful. And it's like, no. I'm not out of the fire no. yet, you know, but I got some water bucket. I can help somebody else yeah. with, maybe. Yeah, you know? and it just does give me comfort. Well, and two, it's changed me. And I'm sure this has changed you. I remember thinking when people said this going through child loss made them more compassionate. I thought, well, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want it to change me for the good. Right. You think I just want everything about this death loss to be horrible, everything, because if something is good from it, then that means I should like it somehow. And I can't ever like it. So that means everything must be horrible. But it's not. And it has made me so much more compassionate for other people. I think it's made me a better pediatrician overall. I mean, I I just care more for people than I used to. And that doesn't mean that the death wasn't absolutely horrible and I would take it all back and I would be a horrible person and have my Andy back I would be willing to be a horrible person but I can't have my Andy back so if I can't like I can't and have it since back. Yes. life has yes. to be this way then let's make it the best let's be the best Nicole and the best Marcy that we can be and reach out and help other people if we can in our small little way it's really cool I mean, I mean, so much. I read this quote one time, one, one book I really love that's really spoken to me about grief that isn't even really about grief. It's called okay. Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed. And she wrote, she wrote Wild and she was in the Dear Sugar column. And anyways, and she wrote this letter like a parent wrote in and said, you know, I lost my child, my only son. How do I go on? And of course, it's a whole beautiful message. And, and if anybody, it's so beautiful. I mean, you can Google it, you know. And um and find it how it, it's a dear sugar letters and this one's specifically about child loss 
But she says, among other things, you go forward by being generous. And that has just resonated with me so much. And I, I think every day, how can I be generous today? It's not like I have some like chart or something, you know, but I do think what is the way I could put something good into the world that wasn't in the world? Yeah. It might not have been in the world if Levi was still here, like, you know, some good that's coming for him or whatever. That is a great way to think, I think, to live every day and to try to live in that generous kind of compassionate way towards others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be generous. Like, you know, you doing the podcast and sharing with people. Um, it, it doesn't mean like always like going no. out and spending a bunch of money on stuff or whatever, right? It just means like just smiling at somebody, being a little more patient. But but then there are things that, I mean, you know, it, mm-hmm. but... I do think this is a beautiful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any bit of advice that you feel like you would like to give someone who is really early on in their grief journey? Yes. Yes. I think, um, one, like, remember, like, it is possible. Yeah. To survive. But it won't be easy. And it's not one big decision to survive. It's a million little ones, you know, every day. Don't compare your grief journey. You know, I know like I've done a lot of advocacy for drowning prevention and I've had, you know, people reach out to me and especially that have lost a child very specifically, you know, to drowning and say, like, I don't know, they almost feel bad, like that they haven't done something. And first of all, that <laughs> there is no like gold star. Like it is not, I, you know, I tell them every time you don't ever have to say the word drowning again, ever, ever. You don't, you owe nothing I think there's this idea when it's a preventable death that you should like advocate, yes. you know, people think that, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, you don't have to do anything, you do zero things. You have nobody, you don't know anybody, right. but just remembering everybody has different personalities anyway. You know, I, I mean, I a hundred percent agree. My son was killed by a distracted driver. There is a lot of distracted driving advocacy out here there. I have no desire to do that. I just don't. That is that is not what don't my calling is. No, that what is you're not doing what my calling is. So beautiful is. My calling anyway. is to talk to parents who've lost yeah. child, children, no matter what the cause. And I am not going to go to the state legislature and try to make laws for on distracted driving. That's just no, not what God. I want. It's a wonderful thing if other people want to do it. Great, it. but ah. I don't need to. And like you felt exactly. very called yes. to be an advocate for drowning prevention. And that's beautiful and wonderful. But that means that everybody doesn't have to be, right? Because yeah. other other parents who lost their children to drowning, they don't have to be. Everyone doesn't have to be an advocate for that. You can do you know, what's... Mm-hmm. I would just say, and that's where I think just yes. follow your heart. If your heart is leading you to whatever it is, then do that. If your heart, if you, your heart is leading you to just live a quiet life with your family, do that. Like whatever your heart is calling you to do, it does not mean, you know, cause people will say, Levi's so proud of you or, you know, for what you've done. And I, and which is so sweet. And I know they mean it, it is so genuine. But I'm like, I don't need, you know, he would be just as, you know, I don't think like somebody's case is like not I think getting out of bed every day and living a life. They're proud yeah. of you. You know, I mean, it's you, not. You can do little, little things that only you will know about or a big, huge foundation. It does not matter. It does not matter. Right. But yeah, that's what I mean. The little things, the just daily life, just the getting up every day and going on and still being, trying to be the best person you can be, that is enough for sure. I mean. That's a huge yes, thing. That yes. actually is a huge The other thing, stuff right? is just gravy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, I think that would be my biggest. Just heart, follow your heart. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, try to put some good into the world that wouldn't have been there otherwise. And maybe it's not a big thing. I'm not saying like you have to do some big thing, but like even like, you know, yeah, being nice to somebody or, you know, um, I want to do is I want to sponsor a well uh-huh. in Africa. They're like $10,000, but you, you know, I'm thinking, gosh, that would be so cool. Like this whole community would have a well that wouldn't otherwise have a well. Uh-huh. And it's all because of Levi, you know, like I was never thought to do that otherwise. So just, but, but again, figuring out what works for, you know, your family yeah. and, and just, I think the other thing is, this is maybe different, but like, don't be so hard on other people who yeah. are, don't know what to do. My husband you. talks about that a lot, about giving grace to other people. So you need to give grace to yourself and forgive grace yourself and you need to give grace to other people all the time because they don't know what to do. They do not. All and the it's time. the best of intentions and they just don't know what to do. And sometimes they do the absolute mm-hmm. wrong thing. <laughs> Most of the time. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, I've had a really beautiful experience, honestly, with, with everything, with people. I mean, it's been so, mm-hmm. so beautiful. But um, no, I think, and I think what you're doing is so, such a gift, really, to, to, to so many and, and putting this light and goodness you out know, there. I for love Andy. being able to do it. And I love being able to give parents a platform to talk about their children and what they're doing, the little things that they're doing to honor them, the little things or the big things, right? It doesn't matter, but. It's it's a way that they're having their child live on because honestly, that's the most important thing I feel like to so many parents are that whole little fear that they're the only ones who remember their child and no one else remembers. And that's what you want, right? You want them to be remembered and to have mattered a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like they and, and I love that they can live on in just little uh, ways, so. So thank you again, Nicole. It's just been a beautiful talk. And I love hearing your little baby in the background occasionally. It's wonderful. How old is your baby? I know. It wasn't too distracting. He's almost three months. Oh, so sweet. And you have another one, too. And you didn't tell us Um, the age of that one. And we have a... She will be... She's... Hold on. What month is this? March. Oh, my gosh. She's 22 months. They are close. Wow. Wow. Uh Uh-huh. That was something that we were fortunate to be able to do, and 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 I was terrified. I did not want any more kids, but we uh, was a was the right decision for our family mm-hmm. for sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. if they have brought some healing, for definitely. I mean, it doesn't make me less sad. I mean, Levi, you know, it's he doesn't get a life, but it does. It's definitely brought a great amount of healing. It was the right decision for us, definitely. I know he's making it. his little I baby noises. <laughs> well, I know I appreciate. I hope it wasn't distracting, but Thank I really you so do appreciate much. this. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast player. We are always looking for new show ideas. If you'd like to be a guest, know someone who'd be a great guest, or have a show idea, please email us at marcy at andysmom.com. Be sure to visit the webpage, andysmom.com, for more content, including Marcy's blog. There you can also sign up to receive updates via email. Together, let's work to inspire hope, one day at a time.